Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. And with us right now, Jeremy Stratton. Jeremy, you are the CEO and Managing Director of Business Legal Lifecycle. You're found on the web at jeremystratton.com. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. You are also, I should point out, the author of The Business Legal Lifecycle, which has an, I would imagine, an Australian version, uh, the original. (laughs) Then there's a UK edition and a US edition. Uh, So, Jeremy, this is great. Thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Looking forward to it. Not too many people say, okay, we're going to be talking about legal stuff. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm a little (laughs) bit of a nerd that way because you know why, Jeremy? I like uh, business ownership. I love it when people, you know, get to kind of follow their dreams, ambitions, their desire to make that impact in life. And I like when they can stay in business and they set it up right. Mm, it's a, it's such an important thing to get right, isn't it? And th- so many people don't do that, and they they think that they can just yeah you know, fix the problems later and be reactive to their problems, and it ends up causing them so many issues that they could have solved had they just been more proactive with what they did in their business. Yeah, and and so uh, you know I I'd love to hear your take on this. Someone's fancying the idea of starting a company. When should they start thinking? I, I think a lot of us we you know we think on. Oh my gosh, I make the best cupcakes in the world. So I'm going to open up a cupcake restaurant, you know, and, you know, sell cupcakes out the back of my truck or something like that, right? I'm going to start a food truck. Uh, And we think all about the operations of doing what we do. Then maybe we might think about the marketing afterwards. I hope, <laughs> you know, the actual growth. How am I going to get cupcakes into the mouths of you know my customers? And you know, assuming that people aren't just going to automatically you know line up in droves to buy cupcakes, they're not. Uh, yeah. So what's your growth plan? And then finally, last on the list, maybe we start thinking about some of the business adulting stuff that is not necessarily fun. It's not, you know, when you're going through, you know, thinking about all the fun aspects of it, you know, usually it's around, you know, design and operations and service of of what we do. But the business adulting, man, boy, will that save you all. You talk to anyone who's been in business for any length of time and, uh, you know, they know how important it is and why I'm, I'm actually quite excited to talk about this subject. Yeah, so I think I think that's right, and I think that people um, they focus on the things that are exciting, and law is not exciting. Let's face it; um, people don't like dealing with lawyers. Uh, they they deal with lawyers 
uh, and they, yeah, lawyers have a reputation, uh, rightly or wrongly. I've been a lawyer for for twenty years at the time of recording this, and lawyers have a reputation of being difficult to deal with. They have a reputation for charging by the hour, so people don't like the, the you know what they're, what they're being charged. They have a reputation for speaking in, in big words and lording over people their their knowledge and their and how smart they are. And so what that causes is people don't go and get legal advice, uh, and they and you know. Worse, they go and we call it over here in Australia barbecue advice. Uh, so they go to a barbecue with their friends and they and they um, hear a, a few things and they go, oh, I'll just do that, what my friend did. And they don't go and get that proactive legal advice mm. that's tailored to their situation. So I'm very, very passionate in helping business owners to see what their legal risks are so that they can be more proactive. Uh, and, and as you say, the, I, I haven't used the term adulting before, um, but it's very true. You, you start the business and, and you know, it's an infancy or the, I call it the conception phase, and you're just trying to get everything done. And this is about actually, okay, what do you need? What do you need to put in place to protect yourself? Because down the track, something will go wrong. You go through the hero's journey of business and we want to make mm-hmm. sure that you've got the foundations in place to build that great business so that you're not the one who falls into the into the traps. And that's why I wrote the book in, in essence. Yeah. So if we were to crack open the book, can you take me through maybe the, um, you know, some of the big sections or, you know, the, the chapters of where, where do we, where do you start when, when you say, okay, here we go. Ready? Where, where do we begin? So, so this, the book starts uh, with the conception phase and, uh, and really the first three, so there's 13 phases in all in the business mm. legal life cycle. And the first three phases are all the startup phases. So it's all about conceiving of the idea and getting your initial team on board. Then it's about starting the business right. What's the right entity? What are all the things that you need to do to start up the business right? And then after you've done all that, then getting to the really exciting part, which is starting to deal with clients. So I call that initial clients when you actually get in there and actually start dealing with clients. Uh, And how do you engage those clients properly? Because one of the biggest issues, I'm sure you've seen this, Josh, is where uh, someone, they start a business, they start dealing with someone, uh, and they start and and they have the business, and then three years later, the relationship changes. There's there's something that's a little bit different, and uh, they have never actually documented what they they were going to do in the beginning and what their agreement was, and the whole thing falls apart. So really, those first three phases, which I call the overall the startup phases, uh, are super important. And the theme behind that is uh, starting up with an end in, end in mind, uh, which is a bit of a play on Stephen Covey's startup with the end in mind. Uh, because I found that people people don't like thinking about what the actual end is. Uh, yeah, and and business moves so much. Yeah, I started my law firm ten years ago, and if you told me I was going to be recording podcast um, ten years later, <laughs> and I would have written a book, I would have thought that was silly. So uh, you got to have some end, some goal in mind. So yeah, really, it, for those businesses that are in that startup phase, they need to really think about the the you know all those things and build those foundations properly, to, so that they can build a successful business. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so step one, um, think about, and, and this is really important, right? Not just from a CYA standpoint, but, but it, it creates a better customer experience when you're very clear in and around, say your terms. So let's say, for example, that, um, you know, you're going to have a, you know, satisfaction guarantee or some sort of a, you know, a a risk reversal and you advertise that in your marketing, well, you better at some point 
define that out very explicitly. Um, and I could just tell you again, ask anyone who's been in business for any length of time and they'll tell you, <laughs> learn this, do this stuff proactively. Listen, you might have a client or two that give you a little bit of pushback, but you need that now because you don't want to end up in a bad situation where there's miscommunication and you got hurt feelings and then people are really upset when all it really required was just a little bit of clarity on the front end. Absolutely. And, and um, one of the two um, like big cases that I ha had as a lawyer that really forced me or really gave me the encouragement, I should say, to do the life cycle was exactly that, where uh, two business owners were going in, they'd gone into a business uh, and they never talked about where they were going, what their goal was, and they never documented it, anything about their agreement. And they had completely divergent paths on where they wanted to go. And they had actually spent uh, over a million dollars of other people's money getting this business off the ground. And they never had spoken to a lawyer attorney to talk about the the direction and actually to document what would happen. And so, yeah, they lost a million dollars of other people's money. They went bankrupt all because they didn't get legal advice. And when when I tell this story, I've, I've told the story around the world, like in, in the US, the UK and Australia, and it is surprising, Josh, how many people do this and how much money is lost all because people didn't just talk about what where they were going, talk about what they were doing as a business and then work out what does that mean? And then document their agreement. And, and everything is good at the beginning. Everything's all rosy. But then when they get to the end, it's all, um, you know, it's, it, there's, no, there's nothing in place to protect them going forward. So, yeah, it is super important. Yeah. Um, and not only that, I, you know, what are, and, and I'm thinking of some special sensitivities, right, in, in terms of like the biggies. Uh, you know, I think one that's pretty important too, it, let's say that you're an agency or you're running an internet-based company and you've got independent contractors that are working for you. How do you structure the liability? I'll give you a scenario, for example. Let's say, we don't do this anymore, but you know, one one thing that we had in our SWOT analysis, uh, you know, which we constantly, you know, I'd say every two months, we go through our SWOT analysis and say, you know, what needs to change? What and mainly, I'm all I'm concerned about is the threats. You know, what could go? What could go wrong? And um, you know, one when we were. So my company, what we do is we facilitate high-level introductions for high-ticket consultants, coaches, agencies, et cetera, right? So one of the things that we did historically, we don't do this anymore because it was a couple of reasons. One of them was it's it's risky. So we would operate on their LinkedIn account as them and engage with people. There's a couple of reasons why we don't. Number one is risky. Number two that's what typical marketers do. And it's, we're trying to get away from that. Um, but that was one thing that I was thinking about. It's like, in terms of threat, I have an independent contract that works with, have a good relationship. However, if they do something that unfortunately might negatively impact the business of our client, yikes, that could get real messy. So, um, you know, you know, legally, that was something that we needed to address in our customer agreement. And we, you know, just like, listen, you understand that this is how we work. You know, we're going to do best practice. You know, certainly we have standards and so forth. At the end of the day, you know, I'm still working with an employee and you're going to have to understand, you know, we're, you and I are going to have to understand that 
<laughs> you know, there's, there, there's just, this is kind of situation. I forgot how we worded it, but basically it was like, you know, if my employee does something dumb, don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to have that kind of uh, thing. And it's around having that adult conversation with them around. This is what, this is how we're doing things. Uh, you know, so often you see businesses that may do that kind of process, which is completely fine, but they don't actually tell anyone that that's what they're doing. And mm-hmm. then it only becomes a problem down the track. So I think a lot of law can be solved by better communication, a lot of legal problems, yeah. and and just being open and honest with them. Uh, yeah, can yeah. you exclude all liability? No. Um, yeah, there's different laws in yeah whether the US, the UK, or Australia uh, that that preclude you from doing that. Uh, but you can do your best to protect yourself. And it sounds like you did did a good job of that. But really, the foundation of that is the communication. Actually, explaining to the client, yeah, this is how we do things. And there's a risk that you're running by using us. We will mitigate it all these ways. Uh, but there's a risk that you're running and and they um, and they have to understand it. If you hadn't told them and something went wrong, I assume nothing actually went wrong, but if it did. No, thankfully, then- thank, you know, again, we no longer do that. But that was that was one of the things I worried about, because if someone screwed up my LinkedIn, I don't you know, I don't know what they would do. But, you know, again, that's you know, people are, you know, pretty mindful of their reputation, especially well, the folks so that cool. we work with. So we got to be careful there. It, it, absolutely. And so, yeah, you can have all the best agreements in the world, but if you haven't communicated what's actually going on properly, then uh, that causes some problems. Like, like the example I used before about the, the two clients lost all the money. They didn't communicate. They never talked and they never you know, worked out what they were actually doing and where they were going. And so many legal problems would be solved if they people just communicated in a better way. You know, one thing, and this I thought, I, I thought was a great idea. And number one, it was actually a great sales tool is that um, I would give them a customer agreement and then I'd say, well, what I don't want is I don't want the, them to look at that long agreement and it's not incredibly long, but you know, I didn't want them to look at all that text and go, oh boy, oof, that's a lot for me to read, right? So what I did and I, I thought, man, this is actually kills two birds with one stone. Number one, what I did, well, here's what I did. I created a video of me walking through a standard agreement and explaining everything in there. Um, and I said, listen, if you don't want to read it, I'll just walk through it really. Just watch this you know, four minute video and I'm going to go through all and I'm going to explain what each of these mean and so forth. So um, when I gave it to them, then there was this video and I told people, I said, look, I'm going to give you the agreement. You don't have to read it. Just watch the video and I'll just walk you through it. And I'll kind of explain everything at a high level. If you have any questions, I think let's talk about it. But in my video, I'll make sure I, you know, my video was twofold. Number one is I didn't want the agreement to be a roadblock for them to get started. That was number one. That was actually the initial reason. But number two is my clients were actually pretty educated on our relationship. Like there were very few surprises because I took that extra time to make sure that they understood it. Absolutely. And and yeah, that solves so many problems just by having that communication with them. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. And I think anyone listening, you know, don't try and do things just because you're going to think you're going to get a legal advantage. Actually, <laughs> you, know, you know, work with people with good business practice, with communication, all that to really uh, foster that relationship because yeah, you, know, you want to work with these people for a long time and just trying to get one up them from a legal perspective is never, never works. <laughs> and I've seen that mm. far too many times to know that it just never works. Yeah. Um, all right. So aside from agreements with customers, where would you go next? Uh, so the next phase and the next three phases we call the consolidation phases. And the next one is bringing on employees. So it's around you've 
got a business, you've brought on some um, some clients. Now you need to get someone to try and help you to do the work. And you know, depending on the type of employee that you're bringing, whether it's a, a contractor or, or a um, or an employee, you want to make sure that you um, do that right and have the right rules in place. Uh, and then we get into uh, protecting your intellectual property. Uh, th- this is a bit, uh, some people disagree with me with this. They, they think you should be protecting IP a lot earlier. Uh, the problem with that is that, you know, it costs a bit of money to protect IP. And most startup business owners don't have yeah, no that money at the beginning. So what I say is- <laughs> Well, not just it- that, but to inf- it's it's enforcing it. Mm. It, it enforce it, you know, you can- you can say all this stuff in the world, but at the end of the day, if someone's going to be a creep and they're going to do, okay, but what do you, you know, what's your recourse on that? Yeah, that's right. And it, and it, and yeah, it's a great lawyer answer. It depends. It depends on the copyright, yeah, or the, mm. the, um, tra- the, the material, the trademark, the copyright, the patent, whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, it is costly. So I say, make sure you've got an established business, make sure you've got something that's actually working and then protect your intellectual property. Because it's just not worth spending the or investing that money and time at, at, at that point in time until you know you've got that. So that they're the the two big ones uh, to really get the foundations right. And then we get into phase six, which is maximizing the business, bringing in investors. So it's around having all the, the the shocks in place to then start thinking, okay, how can I really scale and leverage this thing? If that's what you want to do, you may you may not want to do that. But for those people who do, you've got to have all those foundations in place properly from a legal perspective before you start going into those, uh, the next section, which we call the scaling phases. Yeah. You know, before we get there too, uh, you know, along with, I think with that same thing are NDAs, which, what's your opinion on NDAs? I think that in the right context, they're good. I think that a lot of people throw them around like they're some sort of special secret source to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that's that's a myth perpetuated by some lawyers. <laughs> um, um, I think that in the right circumstances, they work. Uh, and depending on what you're keeping secret, the, the, the issue, Josh, is, and you, know, you talk about this in, in, in your, your work about the fact that all information is out there anyway. Like, the, you know, if you really hunt for it, with the internet, there's just, so many podcasts, there's so many web pages. People can get information anywhere. So, NDAs, depending on what the information is, really are pointless. Uh, unless you've got a really new novel idea, but I mean, there's not that many new novel ideas going around out there that yeah. are uh, somewhere on the <laughs> on the internet already. Right. <laughs> yeah, because that's another one of those things. In practice, okay, great. I, you know, this person signed an NDA, but enforcing it again, that's another just really difficult thing. Um, I understand, man, if you're working with like technology, engineering, like, and you, I mean, there's true, you know, intellectual property there that, I mean, you really, that's your, that's your livelihood is, you know, some of that, some of that code or the mechanisms and that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, just if you're, you know, if you're like marketing or whatever, get out of here. (laughs) And yeah, and and some people use it as a, as a, a scare tactic as well. Yeah, so they might you you might have yeah. someone sign up because it it makes the other person feel like it's it's not it, it's something that they can't breach and that you know it kind of sets the ground rules. But going and enforcing it, like spending thousands, tens of thousands of dollars with a lawyer enforcing, it, is probably something that most people won't actually bother doing, um, unless yeah. it's a big tech play that has actually like a really novel component yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we only have a couple minutes left. We're just kind of getting started here. Uh, you know, there was, you know, obviously business entity and formation, you know, making sure that, man, you are not doing this business as a sole proprietor. There's don't, I could tell you in the United States, I don't know, you know, about UK and Australia and stuff, but do not do that. At the very least, put that in an LLC. 
Um, yeah, yeah you. I, I don't care. Even if you're a freelancer, um, man, if you're dealing with customer data, like you're you're dealing with somebody else's livelihood, I just man, keep that separation between you personally and that separate business entity. Yeah, absolutely. Go and and go and talk to your attorney and, and probably your accountant as well to work out what the best entity is for you. Because uh, there's so many different ones. Yeah, <laughs> but, but probably the big difference between Australia, UK, and US law at the level that I'm talking about is around the entity. And you know, we have you have LLCs. The UK has LLPs, which are limited liability partnerships. We're essentially the same thing. We have proprietary limited companies, which are essentially LLCs. But make sure that you get advice and actually just talk to someone. And, uh, and and that knows what they're talking about and knows your situation, uh, but definitely don't be a sole proprietor. That's the the fast the fast path to ruin. Um, if something yeah. goes wrong, you're all liable, and yeah, it's it's just not worth it for the for the investment of setting up a, a company, or whatever wherever you are, uh, and getting that advice is far outweighs the risk of not having one. Yeah. All right. Jeremy Stratton, again, we just started scratching the surface here. I feel like there's a lot more we could learn from you. Where do we do that? Okay, so uh, there's two places that would be uh, that I, I recommend people go. First one is my LinkedIn profile. I share a lot of content on there. If people mm-hmm. just search my name, uh, Jeremy Stratton, I am the only one on the internet with the spelling of my name <laughs> that, I, that I've seen. I've never seen anyone nice. else, which which is good. Uh, but also, if they go to businesslegallifecycle.com slash TTE, uh, I've got, made a special page as a thank you for having me on here. Uh, we have a test that people can do uh, that they can get a 50% discount on um, for listening to the show. And we also have some free resources. We share heaps of free resources on that page and ideas to educate business owners about what it is that they're, that they're missing and uh, what they need to do to go and see their, their lawyer um, or attorney when they have a problem or when they want to, um, you know, do something in their business. So if they visit yeah, businesslegallifecycle.com slash TTE, there's heaps of information there uh, and they can see that. And if they want to just follow me on LinkedIn or, or connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm always happy to connect with people from all over the world. Uh, and, and I share heaps of content on there as well. Yeah. Businesslegallifecycle.com forward slash TTE, some free gifts there. Jeremy Stratton, you are the CEO uh, of Business Legal Lifecycle. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free, no credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and re-share you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? 
please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review, and we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.